take your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, we're continuing this series in being human, how it can change your life. And we've learned a number of important lessons. And the reason that we're looking at this idea of being human is that there's a lot of confusion these days as to what it means to be a person or what it means to be a male or what it means to be a female. These things were not confusing years ago in other generations. Uh, But somehow today, we have confusion about what it means to be male or female. We have confusion in our society about literally what it means to be a human. Is it any different than being an animal? Uh, what's, what's really the difference? What is the important thing that God wants us to know since he's the one who created us? And in this series, we have learned a number of lessons. First of all, the most important thing is that you're created in God's image. God did not create any animal in his image. He didn't create any plant in his image. He didn't create any rock in his image. He created humans in his very image. And so you are created in the image of God. You're made in God's image. We saw the fact that we're very valuable to God. God cares for us. He loves us. He created us in a special way. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about our value today. Uh, We also learned that you are uh, a being that will always exist. You didn't always exist in eternity past, but from now on, forever, you will always exist. You will exist throughout all eternity. And you will either exist throughout eternity beyond this life with God, or you'll exist without God. And the vast uh, difference between those two is something that we should take note of and something that should impact our lives. If you know the Lord, you're going to be with God forever and you want others to join you in being with God forever. But if you don't know the Lord, then you're going to exist forever except you'll exist in a place called hell. You'll exist separated from the Lord. And so this idea of always existing, even after this body that we have dies, means that we're not just physical beings but we're spiritual beings the naturalists are wrong the secular humanists are wrong we're wrong we are not just physical beings but we're spiritual beings as well well today we're going to talk about that idea of being physical uh, we're going to talk about your body and i've entitled this message your body is amazing And you might look at your body in the mirror and say, yeah, it's amazing what's happened to it. Uh, But your body literally is amazing. You're a part of God's physical creation, and there's nobody else in the world just like you. You're a part of the natural realm of this world. And so we're going to see what having a body, which is the most obvious thing in the world to anyone, that, yes, of course, I have a body. I mean, you really have to... Uh, get your mind and your spirit bent all out of shape to somehow go through this world and think that all of this is just a physical illusion there are people that think that though Uh, but you have a body you are part of this natural world and we're going to talk about how this can impact our thinking you know your body is expertly made by god it's amazing even as we share prayer requests earlier we we talk about the 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 things that doctors are able to do with bodies and uh that we're able to cut open someone's chest and do surgery on their heart and it's a, it's an amazing thing a hundred years ago it'd be unfathomable um and these doctors are experts in their field but you have to understand that god is the ultimate expert god is the one who created the heart in the first place put everything in its right order in jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 
the Lord said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. God had a special plan for Jeremiah. But God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's an amazing thought. That before Jeremiah even existed, God knew him. God knew him. It's an amazing thought. In Psalm uh, 139, verse 13, it's a fantastic psalm. We actually referenced it uh, previously in this series. But I want to read this again. In Psalm 139, verse 13 through verse 18, we read, For you formed my inward parts. This is a prayer to God. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there were not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. You know, you are a special creation of God. Centuries ago, there were some people called deists. They believed that God created the world. He sort of wound it up, and then he let it go, and whatever happened, happened. Well, that's exactly not what happened. Uh, God didn't just create the world a long time ago and let things happen. God is very involved in everything that occurs. Sometimes we talk about God's sovereignty. He's sovereign over the, the affairs of the world. We talk about another word we don't use much these days. It's a great word. is the providence of God. Our, our forefathers in the creation of this country talked about providence. They're referring to God. The providence of God, how God is intimately overseeing everything that occurs uh, God was involved with you from the very moment of your conception he was the one who was making you in your mother's womb someone might ask the question well what about people that are born with disabilities did God cause that I mean couldn't God have stopped that you know because God is sovereign he could have made you and me without uh, any kind of different features from each other God certainly could make, he can make someone without any, any disabilities. God has that, that power, he has that sovereignty. But it doesn't mean that God is cruel or arbitrary just because someone is born with a disability or someone gains a disability. Somehow they get into an accident and they suffer and uh, they're going through a difficult time. God is not the one who brought sickness and disease into this world. It wasn't part of God's plan. That's a result of man's disobedience to God man's sin against God for centuries people have wrestled with a question about suffering in the world and even suffering from birth it's something that Jesus dealt with specifically he was he dealt with the man who was born blind in John chapter 9 we read about his disciples they asked him a question it says and as Jesus passed by Jesus saw a blind man a man blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he would be born blind Jesus answered it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him 
And we know how the rest of the story goes, that Jesus ultimately healed that man, told him to go wash in a pool, and the man regained his sight. And the entire chapter is about that man regaining his sight and dealing with the religious leaders who didn't want to believe it. Jesus said, This man was born blind so that the works of God could be displayed in him. Listen, suffering is always going to be a part of this world. Until the new heaven and the new earth are here, suffering is going to be a part of this world. And I want to be very clear about this. God does not always protect us from suffering. Sometimes he allows us to suffer. And sometimes from our perspective it seems to be cruel or it seems to be arbitrary it seems to be something that uh, is unfair but you have to remember that the very fact that we are alive is by God's grace and if we go through a period of suffering even a period of intense suffering if we have a whole life of suffering we need to understand that that suffering is still temporary that suffering is not forever and God is the one who can and God is the one who does work through our suffering to bring us relief and to glorify his own name God did that with the man born blind God does not promise every person who has a disability that they'll be healed here in this life but what God does promise is that if we trust in him and we are part of the resurrection, the first resurrection, when the Lord returns, we will be given a glorified body. This body that we have will live, what, 70 years, 80 years, maybe more? A body that's filled with sickness and disease and suffering. Every, from, from the very moment that we're born, we, there's a real sense in which we start to die. But there's a body that's coming for us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be given a glorified body, a body that will never die, a body that will never suffer, a body that will never get sick. It will be the body that God wanted us to have from the very beginning, a body that is free from the power and even the presence of sin. You know, there's no one else just like you. Whether your body is filled with sickness even, even today, whether it's filled with disease even today, whether you have a disability even today you're in pain even as you listen to this message uh, you are of infinite worth to God there's no one just like you God expertly made your body that means your body is very valuable your body is very valuable in Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 Jesus said are not two sparrows sold for a cent and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father two little sparrows Jesus said they're sold for a penny they're sold for a cent they're just sold for a token in today's terms financially these these sparrows the cost of one sparrow would be about a dollar eighty here's a little bird worth a dollar eighty you probably have that much money in your couch here's a little bird worth a dollar eighty and it does not fall to the ground Injured or even dead without God the Father knowing it. God cares about the sparrow. It's like the old hymn with regard to the sparrow. His eyes on the sparrow. I know he watches me. A sparrow does not fall to the ground 
apart from your father knowing it, Jesus said. Your father knows every sparrow that has ever been on this earth and every sparrow that ever will be on this earth. He knows each one of them and he cares for them all. If you, Jesus said, by the way, in verse 31, so do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Just to state the obvious, if God knows about a sparrow, he knows about you. Do not fear. You're so much more valuable. Have you ever considered how much value your body is worth? Decades ago, there was a, um, a bureau from the U.S. government, now defunct. I wish we had more bureaus from the U.S. government, now defunct. But this one was the Bureau of Chemistry and Soils. They did a study. They spent our hard-earned tax money doing a study to determine the chemical composition of the human body. And they discovered that by weight, you are approximately 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, and down from there. The most valuable part of your body, they say, is your skin. There's more value there than any other part of your body. In all, back many years ago, these scientists placed the value of your body at $4.50. That's what the U.S. government says your body was worth. You know, those scientists were wrong. Your body is worth so much more than that. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 30, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You know, if you had a dollar for every hair on your head, you would have about $100,000. Some of us would have about $100,000. Some of us would have a little bit less. But still, just the very hairs of your head, they're numbered. Or suppose that you weighed 143 pounds. And by the way, if I weigh 143 pounds, call an ambulance. Something is wrong. Okay, part of my body's missing or something. But if, if you weigh just 143 pounds, at that weight, if you had one quarter for every white blood cell in your body, and remember, those are the ones that fight disease, one quarter for every white blood cell in your body, you would have almost $10 billion think of it this way if you had one penny for every red blood cell in your body you would have 254 billion dollars just one penny for every red blood cell in fact in the time that it takes me to say this sentence 10 million of your red blood cells will die and be replaced by new ones i know that may make you want me to stop talking but it's good for your red blood cells to die and be replaced by new ones. God has done an incredible thing in making your body. Your body is so incredibly valuable. And I would say even if uh, your body is not exactly the way you want it, even if you weigh too much or you've got too much disease or whatever it is that you don't like about your body, I would challenge you to argue with this statement that your body has served you well. It served you well. You might not like everything about it, but it served you well. And we ought to be grateful to the Lord for it. You know, your body is important. 
Your body's very important. But it's your spirit that's more important. Your spirit is more important than your body. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected. He's talking about food. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by the means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Listen to that. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's good to exercise better to exercise your spirit to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness your body is important but your spirit is more so when you think about your body and what you make of it and there's so much displeasure and there's things like uh, fat shaming and age shaming and everything that goes wrong with somebody it's easy to poke fun and make fun at people and make fun of people and and we see that on the, on the internet now. People can do things anonymously and people can be so cruel and so mean. But when you think about your body, I want you to not think about what other people think about my body. Doesn't matter what they think about my body. What matters really is not even what you see in the mirror when you look at your body. When it comes to your body, there's one thing that really matters. What am I going to do with my body? What am I going to do with this thing? That is my body. Your body is meant to glorify God. It is meant to glorify God. God gave you a body. He wants you to use it to bring glory to Him. 1 Corinthians 6 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, immorality, but the, for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God 
and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. In this passage, Paul says something that you hear a lot of people say today. Your body's a temple. People say, oh, my body's a temple. That means I need to exercise. Paul was talking to Christians, first of all, and he was saying that your body's a temple because the Holy Spirit dwells in your body. And if God the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell inside this body, then I should not turn around and use this body for sexual immorality. Why? Because my body is a temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. And so I need to be careful to use my body in a way that glorifies God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. God says that we are to take our bodies and to present them to God. In other words, your prayer should be, God, here's my body. Good, bad, or ugly, here it is, Lord. Here's my body, perfect or imperfect, whatever I've got, it's yours. Everything that I have is yours. My mouth, I'm going to dedicate to your service. So let me only say the things that are pleasing to you. My legs, let me, let me only run to those things that you would have me run to. My hands, let me only engage in those things that you would have me engage in, Father. I dedicate my body, every part of my body, to you. Your body is meant to glorify God. There was a, a Spanish existentialist philosopher. His name was Miguel de Unamuno. He told about a Roman aqueduct in Segovia, his native Spain. And you see a picture of it here uh, on, the, uh, on the wall. That's actually it. Huge aqueduct. This aqueduct was ordered to be built by the Roman emperor Domitian, who served from A.D. 81 to 96. This thing is coming up on 2,000 years old. At its tallest, as you see here, it stands over 93 feet high. Now, for 1,800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains many miles away to the hot and thirsty city there. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from its flow. And then more recently, a generation came along and they basically said this, you know, this aqueduct is so great a marvel, we should preserve it for our children as a museum piece. Let's relieve it from its centuries-long labor. And so they did. They laid iron pipes on it to carry the water so the water wouldn't actually be a drain if you will on the aqueduct's purpose and by doing that they allowed those ancient bricks to rest and the aqueduct began to fall apart the sun beating on the dry bricks started to make it crumble and the bricks and the stone it sagged and it threatened to fall and the lesson 
that we should learn from this is simply this. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. You have a body, a body that was created in a wonderful way by God, a body that is meant to glorify God. And if you decide that you just want to be idle and do nothing with it, that is what will begin to disintegrate something that can still serve God mightily. God wants you to serve him. He wants you to use your body to serve him every day. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and verse 1 again, Paul says, there I, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. <clears throat> 